Welcome back. Monday, December 4th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. It's good to see you all. Mr. Bill, it's good to have you to my west. Young David Dahl, my producer, good to see you to my north. And I believe we have uh, Miss Terry Hyperboreal of you. The Washington Post has a big piece out today on Carrie Lake's campaign for Senate and how she's trying to win over Republicans who did not vote for her last year. Some within our party seem to be able to get over their dissents from her, others not. In Psalm 133, we're told how beautiful it is for brethren to sit in unity, which is where a party committed to principle or a set of principles should always sit. It's another set of of biblical passages that I worry about, however, that a house divided against itself will not stand. Abraham Lincoln made great use of that phraseology and predicted that the house would not fall, but that it would cease to be divided, becoming either all one thing, slaveholding, or all another, non-slaveholding in his day. It's worth remembering, even then, the Republican Party held together and the Democratic Party split between regular Democrats and Southern Democrats, and we held the Union. They The Democrats should be divided, not us. They're the ones that tried to divide the country after all. They still try. And today, we still know of Lincoln. Nobody knows of John Breckinridge. With Ruben Gallego and Kirsten Sinema vying for Democratic Party and disaffected Republicans' votes, we could, if we do the right thing, see them divide yet again. I'm reminded of two Barry Goldwater lessons here that are instructive. In his 1964 campaign for president, a great many Republicans did not support Goldwater. Just two examples. Republican Governor Nelson Rockefeller of New York famously called Goldwater extreme, while Republican Governor William Scranton of Pennsylvania labeled him dangerous. Those sentiments persuaded too many Republicans, and Goldwater ended up receiving 7 million fewer votes than Richard Nixon did in 1960. And Lyndon Johnson won and ushered in the welfare state that we still bemoan. And all the time he ushered in the enlargement of the federal bureaucracy, and he appointed nearly 200 liberal federal judges, including two for the Supreme Court. And yes, he also expanded the war in Vietnam. We still carry the wounds from Vietnam, LBJ's great society, and the jurisprudence implanted by his victory back then. Johnson's welfare and government expansion programs are responsible for the explosion of our national debt and most of our challenges controlling budget deficits. You know, the things we keep being told we cannot even touch during budget negotiations. Johnson's judges and their jurisprudence have entrenched laws and interpretations of them that are as difficult to repeal or amend as ever. So far as I can tell, though they may forget the etiology, these concerns plague every Republican, liberal, moderate, conservative, and our country to this day. Today, if Republicans could talk to those anti-Goldwater Republicans of 1964, They might ask, how'd that work out for you? A lesson should have been learned, but it was not. Today, a great many Republicans continue to sit out certain races or are tempted by siren songs of so-called independence. 
perhaps in our lifetime, the politician who most studied and made use of Lincoln imagery was Barry Goldwater. And it dawned on me, you know, still a great many remember his 1964 presidential campaign and fight in the Republican Party to secure secure that nomination. Few remember his effort four years prior. But he gave a very important speech at the 1960 convention after withdrawing his name from nomination, knowing he could not then get enough delegates to beat Richard Nixon in 1960. In those days or that year, Nixon was seen as the liberal Republican, and there was an early effort to nominate Goldwater instead. It didn't materialize into much, but a lot of the convention's conservatives were unhappy that it didn't. So in that speech, Barry Goldwater is famous for saying, yelling, let's grow up, conservatives. But why he said that and leading up to what he said, that should be our roadmap and rule for any Republican, especially in Arizona. First, Goldwater said, whether your guy won or not, there is a far greater opponent. He said, quote, the Democrats who serve up nothing less than a blueprint for socialism, close quote. He then spoke for about five minutes on how the party is bigger than any one man and to stay home, quote, just because your man didn't make it is to vote for that blueprint. He said that blueprint and the Democratic Party stood for three principles. One, the abandonment of the dignity of man. Two, the abandonment of our economic way of life. And three, a commitment to making America a second rate power. I'm blown away by his prescience, or at least the analogies to today. That, he said, is what the party is against. And he said, quote, every good conservative, knowing the stakes, must put their shoulder to the wheel for Richard Nixon to stop it, close quote. Second, he then said, let's grow up, conservatives, and that it was childish to stay home because your candidate did not win. He then said, quote, if our movement wants to take back the party and the country, and I think we can, let's get to work and work harder. But in the meantime, he said, we have a Democratic Party to defeat. So I simply do not understand why there are people here who can't get over that there was a primary in 2022 and that someone who was not their initial or favored candidate won in that primary and still can't get past it as that candidate is now running for another office, U.S. Senate. What, was this our first election ever, our first tough one? We aren't special. These things happen in almost every campaign I've ever seen or been involved in. McCain versus Bush. That was pretty tough. Reagan versus Bush and voodoo economics. Pretty tough. Reagan versus Ford. Tough. Then a million state races. Too many to count. The point, there's nothing really novel here about Republicans losing to Republicans in really tough primary fights. Some still don't like Carrie Lake won her last primary and that she will win the one she is in today. But if the phrase consent of the governed means anything, it means that we govern by free elections and consent to the outcome, in turn sometimes being the governed and sometimes being the governors. That's all derivative, of course, from our commitment to equality. We all get a say, a vote, and then we live with the consequences, and then we move on or slug it out until the next election. What the heck more is there to say, except maybe this. We are not the party and movement of snowflakes. We don't require safe spaces and therapy dolls when our candidate doesn't make it through. Have we all been so opposed to leftism that we've adopted it? Or are we the party of martial virtues, rugged individualism, and Barry Goldwater? 
Yeah, campaigns are tough. Yes, elections take a lot out of you, but primaries are about picking first and second best in order to get to a general election where you can beat the most worst. There is simply no moral point I can think of, not one, that would put personalities over principles, personal grievances and preferences that nobody will care about but will retrench more socialism, which will immiserate everyone here. Go to Kerry's website. Look at her policy proposals. They are beyond standard and good conservative Republican fare. They are great. I can't think of one thing about any of them that any Republican of any kind wouldn't prefer over and against someone like Kirsten Sinema's policy proposals or, for that matter, Ruben Gallegos. Do recall, if you don't know, Sinema is not a moderate just because she voted our way or the conservative way or the Republican way on modal or process issues like the filibuster. She votes with Biden's agenda on its merits 100 percent of the time. And she also has a few other 100 percent ratings from the entire latticework of the left, in fact, including Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. Any other candidate who I told you had a 100% rating from groups like that would be considered a Ted Kennedy Democrat. And I can't think of a single Republican that would ever vote for someone like that. So indeed, I want to say, let's grow up, conservatives. That is, after all, the essence of maturity, right? And let's get over ourselves and let's send the socialists who represent the Democratic Party now back to where they belong the universities, and probably more as students than as teachers. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the I got Seth a smile Liebson out of you. Show. Yeah, you got a <laughs> smile and a chuckle. That's the inimitable, awful trumpet playing of Herb Alpert. On the Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah. <laughs> Let's never do that again, shall we? <laughs> Welcome back. 602-508-0960. I know you had a good weekend, young David, because I saw you for parts of it. Not implying that that's what makes a good weekend, seeing me, but I knew you were. I saw <laughs> you enjoy. Yes. No, I, I saw you enjoying weekend, yourself. folks. I saw Seth. <laughs> no, that's not. I get came, to see him yeah. six days in a week yeah. instead of five. Yeah, yeah. No, but it was good seeing you and some friends of yours. We mm-hmm. enjoyed a very civil dinner. And uh, that was lovely. And, and then, civil dinner and civil discourse. Yeah, and you went to the light show and had a great time, I understand. Yes, I did. I had a great time at the light show. I was down there at the Pratt Brothers in Chandler at Rawhide, and I got to see lights yeah. and ride a train. And, and you had good Christmas Mexican food before that. Yes, that was that was unrelated <laughs> unrelated to the Pratt Brothers. There's Rawhide, something but, about uh, Mexican food and yes. Christmas, though. I don't know what it is. Well, a lot of people have tamales around New yes, Year's. Yes, of course they do, and Christmas. But why is Mexican food so popular? Does anyone? I'm going to crowdsource that. Why is Mexican food the cuisine of the cuisine of of art? Do you know, Mr. Bill? You don't. I don't either. Maybe someone in the audience knows what that tradition is about. Of course, if you're Jewish, you know what the cuisine around Christmas is. Chinese. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Right. I've seen the movies. Yeah. Right. For the, so for the Jewish people, it's Chinese food. And for everyone else, it seems to be Mexican food, which is great. I mean, 
Made in America. Only in America is Yogi Berra. On Christmas and on New Year's, yeah. and many other cuisines aren't. Only in America is Yogi Berra, would say. But speaking of the Pratt Brothers Christmas, should we give away some tickets? Yes, let's give away some tickets. As long as we're on the point. Get into the holiday spirit with the Pratt Brothers Christmas at Rawhide. From the winners of America's Great Christmas Light Fight on ABC, the Pratt Brothers bring you the biggest Christmas celebration in Arizona, featuring over 6 million lights, a massive gingerbread house light show, Nightly Christmas parades, magical train rides, a pro stunt show in the theater, Christmas characters, live entertainment, and so much more. So we're giving away family four-packs of general admission tickets for Wednesday, December 6th for our callers. Wednesday, December 6th, my mom's birthday. Uh, welcome back, anyway. 602 hope the rest of you had a great Great weekend, whether it was football or something else. There's a lot of football on this weekend. Bill shrugs his shoulders because he still... I saw some football this weekend. You did? Yes, I, I saw um, the Pac-12, the last Pac-12 championship. Well, I'm just glad Mr. Bill maintains the boycott. Once, once football went woke, he never went back. Yeah, they lost him forever. I'm so happy about that. Um, did you guys see this interchange, the exchange... Between uh, Representative Pramila Jayapal and Dana Bash over at CNN. Did you see this? Oh, yeah. David's reminding me. If you want those Pratt Brothers tickets, I need to give you the phone number, don't I? Did I give the phone? 602-508-0960. Um, did, did, did you guys see this exchange between them? Oh, my God. When you're explaining away and diminishing rape you 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 just may have a much bigger problem than you realize listen to this exchange this is the kind of thing that would have hounded people out of office once upon a time and into permanent embarrassment ignominy and failure of reputation the kind of thing that would show up someday at the end of their life in their obituary. Explaining away, defining rape, I guess down or up. I can't tell which. Listen to this. Mr. Bill, I think you haven't heard this. You've got to hear this. You about uh, sexual violence. And the, it's kind of remarkable that this issue hasn't gotten enough attention uh, globally. Widespread use of rape brutal rape, sexual violence against Israeli women by Hamas. Um, I've seen a lot of progressive women, generally speaking, they're quick to defend women's rights and speak out against using rape as a, as a weapon of war. But downright silent on what we saw on October 7th and what might be happening inside Gaza right now to these hostages. Why is that? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think we. we I don't know that that's true. This has been not only well documented everywhere, so all of a sudden we don't believe the women or what we saw from verbal testimony or documentation or 
all okay. So all of a sudden, when it comes to when, here's the exception: you start not believing all women, I suppose. Some of them you can't be because they were killed after they were raped, so you can't actually hear their testimony. Nor will those who are being held hostage be released to give their testimony. You know that the State Department confirmed this today too. By the way, the reason women and more. Uh, more uh, hostages won't be released is because they don't want the women testifying to the conditions. That that that's we're we're, we're going to come back to that in a moment. I, you just got to hear the rest of this. This is a squad member, Jayapal, continuing. Always talk about the impact of war on women in particular. In fact, I remember 20 years ago, I did a petition around the war in Iraq. Have you said, saying have that, you talked about it since oh, October absolutely. 7th? And I've condemned what Hamas has done. I've condemned Specifically all of women. the actions. Absolutely. The, the rape, the, of course. But I think we have to remember. Is that where that, you want to go? I condemn the rape, but is that, is that a construction you really want to be engaging in? I condemn the rape, but... These people have a big problem. Let me keep going if I might. Israel is a democracy. That is why they are a strong ally of ours. And if they do not comply with international humanitarian law, they are bringing themselves to a place that makes it much more difficult strategically for them to be able to build the kinds of allies to keep public opinion with them. And frankly... Uh, morally, I think we cannot say that one war crime deserves another. That is not what international humanitarian with, with, law says. Okay, with, with respect, I was just asking about the, the women, and you turned it back to Israel. I'm asking you about Hamas, in fact. I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific. And Very I, sympathetic. I already answered that. I said it's horrific. Have you ever heard of a rape case where anyone ever said that? I've already answered it's bad. I think that rape is horrific. Sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. Oh, it just happens in war situations. Rape happens. This is a war and rape happens. Look at what you made us do. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm-hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced oh, about yes. Go bringing get Israel. in the However. outrages against Palestinians. Yeah. 15,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes, three-quarters of whom and it's, are women and children. And it's horrible, but you're, you don't see Israeli soldiers raping um, Well, Dana, I think women. we're not—I we're not, I don't want this to be the hierarchy of oppressions. Oh, doesn't she? Oh, doesn't she? Rape is what happens in war. It's a tool of war, you have to understand. I don't know how you do the most— genteel of condemnations of the kind of violent rape we've read about. Do you, have you read about how violent it is? It's too gross to even talk about. Women with broken fit pelvises before they're, yeah, they're killed in the rape, by the rape. But, however, you have to understand. Sickening. Is that Christmas? Oh, it is Christmas music. Is that Wayne Newton? Is that a special for John Dombrowski? That is the Christmas Jingle Bell Hustle for John Dombrowski. Yes, okay, wonderful. John Dombrowski brings us our culture and economy segment. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. John, for some reason, we just have visions of you at Studio 54 dancing away to the hustle and songs like that. 
Wow, I had visions of like Cannon and uh, Barnaby <laughs> Jones, and yeah. <laughs> that's what I was seeing when I was a little, little, little more music. Starsky and Hutch, and a little less Starsky uh, and Hutch. A yeah, less Wayne Newton uh, with Ooh. the Carpenters. Okay, All right. crazy. Oh my gosh, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Did you have a good weekend? I certainly did. Thank you so much. Good, 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 good. There's um, there's going to be a lot of economic news out this week, but this is kind of interesting. America's smallest employers have a record share of openings. Wall Street Journal's yeah. reporting that establishments with fewer than 10 workers rose almost – positions at establishments with fewer than 10 workers rose at almost 20 percent recent months. Well, the bigger place is not so much the smaller mom and pops, yeah? Yeah, uh, so it's interesting. And I, I had a conversation with a small business owner this morning who's having real difficulty trying to find employees. Mm-hmm. You know, He believes his business could be doing better. He can be growing the business, but he's having a challenge hiring people. Mm. Uh, and, and again, these are small businesses. Um, but today, um, a, a big story comes out of Spotify, a publicly traded company. Yeah. Um, they're going to be cutting 17% of their workforce, so getting rid of about 1,500 employees. And if you think about small businesses, you know, up to 10 employees, whatever it may be, I mean, we're talking a substantial amount of uh, people that are going to be losing their job here. But, of course, this is the more in a tech industry. Um, uh, so it's, it, you know, you've got this strange uh, situation happening. Small businesses having a challenge finding people, bigger companies laying off people. Uh, so the the tables have definitely turned when it comes to the smaller businesses. And, of course, the challenge is, is wage growth has gotten to a point to where it's slowing, but some of these smaller businesses are having ch- a challenge uh, paying what the current maybe demand for wages may be from uh, potential employees. One of the interesting things about that, too, is, you know, we sometimes forget maybe our basics in economics or economic policy because whenever you talk to an advocate for, you know, uh, whether it's National Federation of Independent Business or whatever, whenever you talk to the small business advocates, they will tell you that the bulk of jobs in this country and startups is from Small empl- small, smaller small employers, business. right? Yeah. Right. Small it, business it employment. Is. Yeah, those are those are kind of the backbone of the of the, yeah. the country. Yes, right. And so, entrepreneurs out there trying to start companies and trying to do whatever they can to improve their financial position. By the way, this is one of the reasons we've discussed before. I think you and I are on the same page about this. Why the ta- tax reforms are so important when we're talking yeah. about marginal tax rates, because so many of these small business owners do pay do pay their taxes through the mm-hmm. through the way we index our, our marginal tax rates. And yeah. you know, if you want to see small businesses expanding and hiring more, you want to be able to allow them to have the money needed to the finances, the resources to invest yeah. to expand and hire more. Yeah, and also there are a lot of uh, sole practitioners out there, yep. whether it's maybe real estate or yep. insurance, whatever industry you're in, or a consultant of some type. Uh, there are ways that you can create uh, business entities for yourself so that you can uh, be more uh, and take advantage of maybe some of the opportunities that the tax laws do offer yep. to bigger businesses yep. uh, by creating a um, you know a certain entity for yourself. Uh, so, and I recommend you talking to your uh, tax professional sure. about that. If you don't know somebody and you want to, uh, you know, talk to someone, I certainly can 
uh, refer you know someone to you that you can talk to. I'm not a tax advisor. No, but you know people, and you've talked yes. a lot about the mm-hmm. kinds of investments that help on the other end of this sort of thing. The other interesting story was home prices, because that's also um, that there's a shortage of homes, and you know mm-hmm. maybe there's a relationship there to the inability to hire people who can do the construction and right. so forth of these homes. But uh, home prices, prices they're going up, man. They're going up. Yeah, still going up as, uh, you know, we would, would think with interest rates being as high as they uh, were for mortgages, that that definitely has caused a slowdown in the purchase of, mm-hmm. of homes. However, uh, what we're finding is is that there are still people out there that want housing, they want to buy a home, but um, we're not seeing uh, the, the availability because a lot of people have this um, equity in their home. They've yeah. got a low interest rate that they maybe, you know, were able to refinance or purchase maybe a home back when interest rates were at a much more favorable level. And uh, they're thinking, gee, I can't sell my home now and pull the equity out. And where am I going to go live? Uh, and so it does create a bit of a shortage. And because of that shortage, we're seeing what? About a two, yep. uh, a 3.9% rise again in September, 35 in October. So we're still seeing uh, a rise in rates I mean, a rise in prices, yep. and uh, that is still uh, difficult for the consumer today based on the current interest rates. Thank you, John. You bet. Folks want to get in touch with me? Go to GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC. Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Nicely Thanks, done, sir. brother. Thank you. You bet. This might be my all-time favorite Christmas song. Leanne Rimes. What has happened to Leanne? Whatever became of Leanne Rimes? When's the last time we've heard from her? We? Yeah, it's been a while, right? That woman had pipes, man. She can belt it out. She's up there with the best of them. She's up there with Trisha Yearwood. I mean, she had some strong pipes. Don't we have another one of her songs, like Commitment? Don't we have Commitment in our... In our bumper? If we don't, we should. Commitment by Leanne Rimes. Can you take a note? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. well, the, you're the person. I will take a note to read that on January 1st. <laughs> Commitment. We used to have Commitment. it. Yeah, by Leanne. She, that girl can sing, man. There's not many people. There's like five who have pipes like she does. Does she have other uh, Christmas songs? I don't know, but that's that's the. it doesn't matter because none will be as good as that. Reba McIntyre, she has pipes. She can sing. Way up there, and Reba, strong. Has some good Christmas songs. Um, my fear about that, though, David. This is I'm it, I'm making a, a non-Christmas song point. My fear about their Christmas songs is they're not the kind that we do on this show. That is to say, they're probably too slow. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful, but they're not slow. Good for the rejoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't they don't put a little, as Leanne Rhymes said, in shuffle your in your step. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. Dolly Parton, she's an underrated singer. She can jump octaves like no one's business. That That's to come. Oh, jump the gun. That's uh-huh. coming later. Okay, all Maybe right. Maybe later tomorrow okay. or later tonight. All right. Now I need to shuffle around Carrie, the playlist. Carrie Underwood, <laughs> Carrie Underwood has those kinds of lungs and pipes, too. She can get up there. She can belt it out. Those are your – you don't need to be taking – the only note you need to be taking is after Christmas, we have to have commitment by Leanne Rimes. That's all. That's the only note you need to be taking. And also, why do we have a mouthwash pump dispenser in the men's room huh? with nothing to dispense it into? There are we are people putting their mouth under the under the pump to get to the mouthwash? There that used would, to be cups. Well, there aren't. 
There used to be a ballpark. There aren't any cups in there, and I have never noticed the cups. So is it possible people are just putting their mouth around the, the mouthwash? I can't. Okay. <laughs> Trick it straight from the bottle. Yeah. Did you guys see this study? People who followed COVID – Mr. Bill, you'll like this. People who followed COVID recommendations more likely to have mental health issues now. You did see it? Adam, what, how did Adam Carolla put it? COVID took out a lot of people, most of them still alive. Yeah. Listen to this. Listen to this. More than three years after the first lockdowns, the mental health of many continues to suffer. The mental health struggles stemming from the lockdowns of 2020. By the way, nicely put, it's not the mental health struggle stemming from COVID. It's the mental they, – they wrote this right. The mental health struggle stemming from the lockdowns of 2020 have been well documented in the years since the onset of COVID. While for the most part, the world has gotten back to business as usual, a new analysis suggests that some people have not yet completely recovered their mental well-being. Some? Some have not? According to new research, the more compliant people were with the COVID lockdown restrictions, the more likely it is they continue to suffer from anxiety and depression today, more than three years after the initial lockdowns. If only there was a show and a few articles written that warned about this. Those people also fall into the more empathetic category of personality studied for the research. I don't believe that, but I'll take it. I'll, you know, I'll take it. For the study, the experts divided 1,700 people into two types of personalities based on their behavior during and perceptions of the COVID restrictions. Participants either had an agenetic personality, meaning they were more self-serving, or communal personalities who have more concern for others. People with communal personalities were more likely to strictly to adhere to COVID restrictions. Follow-up mental health assessments that took place every two weeks revealed that this group was also more likely to have lower overall well-being in comparison to the agenetic personalities. The findings could be in part due to a lack of effective messaging related to the safe transition back to normal living, the authors suggest. It goes on. But I, I, don't, I don't think it's surprising that even after the restrictions have been lifted that we're still seeing this suffering. Uh, the New York Times had a huge story on the learning loss we're still dealing with from all of this. Or as how does, how does Hugh Holman put it? He says it's not really losing when you never had it. But the decline in learning for certain would be the better, probably, artful phraseology of it. Um, and I want, I want to come back and focus on that. This is that feeling we all have. We can't quite put our finger on. I've tried to. It's hard. I don't know quite how to say it. But it's this feeling we all have that we're never going to return or we have yet to return to normal. I mean, we have been on a... Uh, on a rapid degeneracy, the prog- the progress of our degeneracy has continued apace for 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 several years now. A lot has been thrown at us, and I was talking in the monologue about a house divided. The house divided at the end of the day may be between the sane and the not sane, or the or the or the or the mentally adjusted and the non adjusted personalities that have been left in the wake of everything we've, not we, but everything our society has put people through over the last several years. And it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. When Donald Trump was elected, 
the entirety of the Democratic Party used phraseology like fascist and Nazi and anti-Semite. I mean, to have the whole country exposed to half the country telling you your president is a representation of the worst tyranny and have that on, a, on an endless loop for four years, that does something to you. As does, of course, the turmoils from COVID, as does, of course, the rioting, as does, of course, all the gaslighting throughout all of that, including being told and lectured at that this country's founding date wasn't 1776 after all, but 1619, and that the entire society is structurally racist. That was on an endless loop, reticular feed loop. And then, of course, all the 2020 and then January 2021 and January 6th of 2021 and all of that. Then, of course, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and now this with Israel. and, and God. It's a lot to put people through. It's a lot. And all of almost all of almost half of it. Yeah, I guess that would be better put. Half of it seems to have occurred during and since COVID once our mental Health was already shaken. Once, once our the fiber of our well-being was already disturbed at unprecedented levels, and the pitting of human being against human being, and family member against family member, and loved one against loved one and child. You can't do that to a people and expect them to come out normal. Not all of them. Not all of them. Yeah, Carolla was right. COVID took out a lot of people. Most of them, thank God, still alive. We'll be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a secure investment available to you. It actually helps people. It comes with a ton of flexibility. You're in control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, you get a monthly statement no surprises in this secure and collateralized portfolio that is not tied to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. And you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out locally if you like. They're based here. Their offices are right on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can visit with them, as I have many a time. When you do, you'll get no sales pitch and you won't be asked to sign anything or visit them online at investyrefi.com that's invest the letter y then refy.com or give them a call at 888yrefi24 888yrefi24 it's a short segment so if you're on hold I'll get to you at the top of the next hour 6025080960 we have a few on hold but there's room for more uh young david you will find this interesting this story I've been meaning to get to a friend of mine judges the economy by how McDonald's is doing, you know, how much they're charging and stuff. Listen to this, though. This is a big headline. It seems like it should be. I think they're the number one restaurant in the world, if I'm not mistaken. I think. Do you know that a new McDonald's is opened every single day? No, I don't. Across the world, yes. Is that still true? Every single day, a new McDonald's is opened. Is that still true? As far as I can tell, yeah. Well, get a load of this, young David. McDonald's to revamp burger patties. Though the menu will look the same, McDonald's is set to make major changes to their most popular items on their menu, burgers. 
According to the Wall Street Journal, the Golden Arches said that the new and improved burgers will include over 50 modifications. <laughs> 50 modifications? That is not confidence-inspiring. Because I, I know how to make a damn good burger. And I can tell you right now, it might be the best burger anyone's ever had. I've always gotten compliments on it. And I will tell you, I will tell you right now, it doesn't include anywhere near 50 steps, much less 50 modifications. That scares me. We can do it quick, fast, and safe, but it doesn't necessarily taste great, so we want to incorporate quality to where we're at. They've been working on this for seven years. I'd like that job. We'll be right back.